This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Brett Bielema says the quiet part out loud. Good morning. It is Thursday, October 21st. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. In just a second, you'll hear the sweet, sweet sound of Illinois coach Brett Bielema delivering us fantastic mid-October viral press conference clippings, uh, not holding back about his roster. The Illini are 2-5. and five. You watched them beat Nebraska in week zero. You have not watched them since, perhaps, but they beat Charlotte the other week by 10. We all knew it would take some time for Illinois, and, and I think Bielema, look, you're going to say it wasn't very nice what he did, but he at least did a nice job of resetting expectations if they were high by basically saying, and you'll hear the clip, the roster we inherited is not good. He's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. So we're going to listen to that, and then we're going to jump immediately to a conversation I had with Alan True, who covered recruiting for 24-7 sports, especially in the Midwest, knows the Illinois program well, knows parents who have sons on that team, knows the assistant coaches in the area, high school coaches, uh, gives us some good context, tells us that he thinks a lot of year one coaching staffs are rather envious that Bielema did what he did. So let's listen to Brett and then we'll talk to we'll talk to Alan True. I just know this, as a head coach, you're only as good as your roster, right? I kind of learned that the first time I went to the Kentucky Derby, right? Nobody was betting on the jockeys. Everybody was betting on the horses, right? So to win a derby, you got to have the right horse. And, and um, I think our players uh, are, are going to be a reflection of what our program stands for. And, and um, you know, I, I stood at the front of the room last year when I took over and said everybody is invited back because of COVID. They gave me the opportunity to do that. But as this roster continues to transition, um, I've got to make tough decisions. Players have to make decisions. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, the roster is going to have to change to get to where we want to be to win a championship. So I recognize that probably uh, midway through the spring last year, through the summer, just certain positions haven't uh, maybe played out the way they envisioned them to. In particular, the offensive line, I don't believe we have a player in the two deep uh, that, that they've recruited here over the last three years that is really significantly doing anything for us uh, in the playing department. That's a, that's a major concern, right? So uh, that's something that we have to do. Uh, top two quarterbacks that have played to this point are both transfers, right? Um, so there hasn't been any development uh, at that position that, that uh, is significantly playing right now. Um, Isaiah was that guy, but he's obviously playing a wide receiver position and do so. Defensively, we knew there was going to be an evolution just kind of on the style of defense that we played. we got to definitely get a lot of uh, bigger bodies, I believe, up front to get what we want to get done to play in this league at a, at a consistent level. So uh, there's there's things that we're uh, definitely evolving every day. And as a head coach, I think I have to prioritize my recruiting. Alan True joins us right now. Alan, before we brought you on, we were listening to the clip of the Brett Bielema press conference gone viral. I know you've had a few days to do some digging on this, and I'd love to hear the conclusions you've come to. Yeah. So first, I think there's some initial shock, right? Because Coaches don't normally speak that way. It's, you know, we, we all have heard the coach speak. Everything's pretty muted. So for him to come out and really have a moment of honesty like that, I think that was what was, was jarring for everybody. And, but it sounds like internally, um, and, and some of the players have spoken on this publicly. Uh, I know Doug Kramer, the starting center, who's a senior and a leader on the team, 
talked about it. And it sounds like internally, everybody feels like this was a case of, you know, the 2021 mistake of reading the headline and not taking the context around it. So I, I think it has to do a lot with the him talking about the lack of depth that they had. Um, they've had a number of offensive linemen in the last couple of recruiting classes leave the program, uh, including a guy, Kevin Tyler, who I covered, who's now at Prairie View A&M. So it's kind of left them with a lot of uh, guys in last year's class having to step up quickly. A lot of true freshmen on the two deep and has put them in a tough position numbers wise. So I think that was what he was saying. I think the rest of the world maybe took it more as a shot at the quality of offensive linemen that they have. I think he was more talking about the numbers and the depth. Okay. So numbers and depth were the, uh, the target for Brett. I was just a little surprised, Alan. It feels like he was saying the quiet part out loud. Like we had him on the podcast a few months ago and he was really bullish on the roster. It felt like Um, the super seniors, they had 20 of them. And he was proud to tout that that was the most uh, of anybody. And I get that. Like it's, you know, you, it's off-season hype, off-season hope, whatever. I, I think reality has kind of hit them in the face after that Nebraska game. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, Alan, and tell you I've watched them since. I, I haven't. How do you think this is going to play with the local high school coaches and the high school coaches throughout the state or the high school coaches who might have coached the guys on his current team? Because I know that he had to do, and Illinois has had to do a little bit of of relationship mending with coaches in the state. Yeah. So the funny thing is it's possible that it helps them in some weird way, right? Like you talked about the super seniors. I don't think he was talking about them specifically. I think he he's talking about, we're going to lose those super seniors. And then we're left with a whole bunch of inexperience and some, some missing holes on our chart here because guys have left the program and weren't retained. And the, the thing that he's been trying, the reason that he was trying to sort of mend fences with the in-state high school coaches is that for the last couple of years, Illinois didn't really recruit the state. So you don't even have a lot of in-state kids that you're looking at on this too deep. And we're talking again, specifically about the offensive line, which I think was the target here. You look at that. There's just so few Illinois kids there. And the ones that are there are true freshmen like Josh Krutz, who they recruited or they finished out that recruitment. So I don't, I, I, when you look at the other two classes before that, there just isn't a lot of representation They didn't sign one in-state offensive lineman in uh, the class before that. And then they just signed one Evan Kurtz the year before that. So that's one in-state offensive lineman in two years, which is just extremely rare for a Midwest state. Cause as you know, up this way, uh, we produce some decent offensive linemen. Absolutely. Absolutely. What is the, uh, you talk to a lot of coaches, how, how many of them do you think wish, which they, or maybe their head coach would actually come out and, and say this instead of the, you know, our culture is going to take time to rebuild, or maybe you take the veiled shot at the previous staff, which we see some way, shape, or form with almost every new coach. They find a way at some point in the season to say something slightly negative about the last one. And usually it's, it's, it's in the, the culture wheelhouse. I, I would imagine that when you talk to some coaches who are in those situations, they're like, look, Alan, this team is not good. And we're trying to be diplomatic here. We're trying to thread the needle. We're trying to not piss off anybody, but we'd love to, to slightly reset expectations and let the fans and the, the powers that be know that we're not complete idiots and that the roster just isn't that good. Like, do you think any, I, I would imagine some coaches are a little bit jealous that, that Brett had the stones to co- go out and say this. Well, yeah, I think when you talk to like assistant coaches, for sure, they're the ones that are, are, are like, man, I wish the, especially like the message board critics and the fans on Twitter knew exactly what we were working with here. 
you know, and I've, I've even heard some kind of mutter, like, you know, when we, we watch our guys run out of the locker room and then we see the other guys run out of the locker room, you know, it's a different looking team physically. I've heard that. So I, I think there's always kind of a hope for honesty amongst college coaches. They, they wish they could tell everybody everything that goes on. It even is that way in recruiting, you know, when, when kids have to get dropped because of, you know, grades or different things that they can't talk about. They can't publicly come out and say these things. So I think coaches understand that that comes with the territory. Their hands are tied. And that's why a lot of it kind of uh, slides into coach speak. But I think certainly when you hear somebody like Bielema, who you say comes out and says what's normally the quiet part, I, I'm sure there is are other coaches around the country who look at that and say, I wish we could do the same, or maybe we should do the same. How closely have you been following Illinois this year? The the recruiting class, it's 46th right now in 2022. I think it was several points higher a few months ago. And of course, other classes getting players has, has changed that. Do you still feel a good source of, of hope around that program, Alan? Do you think, do you think they're going to get things going on the right track? I was reading an article by Jeremy Warner kind of laying out what Bielema was dealing with. And you already mentioned the offensive line stuff. But I don't think I had realized they had not had a homegrown quality quarterback since 2013, Nathan Shieldhouse. So it's like, I, I, I think the more you look into this program, like the darker it can get. So I, I kind of like Bielema in that sense, getting ahead of the curve and be like, look guys, we're not going to be good the rest of the year. Just like, let me get to the off season. Yeah. Or, or at least I, I think he's creating the awareness that there's rubber band ball of recruiting here that they're trying to untangle, right? And they're trying to get things to where they want it. So there's going to be a lot of uh, new implementation and a lot of undoing things that it's going to take more than the time that they've been there. But I do think when you look at this recruiting class, uh, a lot of it happened in the off season. So when you sit here now, you kind of forget that they did have some momentum going. And when you look at the class, I think they're doing some things the right way, including attacking their own home state. You look at how many commits they have from the state of Illinois. It's going to be easier to hang on to those guys than, uh, you know, the previous class was going, you know, largely out of state. Um, They're attacking a little bit into Wisconsin. They have a commit from there, which is a state that I think you you don't have to beat Wisconsin on. Northern Illinois, even North Dakota State, other programs seem to always find NFL talent or at least good college talent hiding out in the state of Wisconsin. You look at how many walk-ons Wisconsin has had be successful. So, uh, you know, they have a commit from IMG. So it's not like they're only going in the Midwest, but I think that the focus it closer to home, they're doing the right things. They got those guys to jump in. And these aren't guys that just, you know, were, were sleepers. Aiden Lawfrey could have gone to Iowa, had Michigan State. Ian Pugh had Iowa and some other schools. Uh, Jared Beatty, a bunch of schools were recruiting him. So they've won some battles inside their home state. I think for year one, that's as good as you could hope for. And then we'll see what happens in the 23. But I think the 22 class, all things considered, when you look at it on paper, like I said, they're still beating out some power five schools and some big 10 schools for these dudes. Last question for you, Alan. I don't know how close you ever got with Lovey Smith when he was the Illinois head coach, but what do you think his retort, or maybe more accurately, the retort of the assistants doing the, the recruiting work for him would be this week with, with the, with the Bielema press conference? Well, you know, I think that everybody, they'd probably tell you that everybody has some issues with retention. And, and when you now with the portal, more guys are leaving. And also when there's a coaching change, that by itself will create kids wanting to leave and enter the portal. I think they would tell you that when you look at the guys who are starting at Illinois, you know, those were guys that they recruited. And, and those were some guys that got evaluated and found who weren't necessarily big time guys. Doug Kramer is one of the best players on the team. He was a gray shirt that uh, had very few offers at the time that Illinois recruited. Alex Balchuski was a Nobody knew who he was. He was a late senior find that now starts at right tackle. 
Michael's going to have a shot to play at the next level. And, uh, you know, so I think they would tell you that they found some good players just in the last couple of classes. You weren't able to retain some of those guys, but I think they would try to fight the thought that they left the cover completely bare there since uh, a lot of the starters were guys that they found and recruited who were not necessarily obvious kind of recruits. They, they, those were ones they had to mine for. And I think they did a good job with some of those guys. Good stuff, Alan. Appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Okay. Appreciate Alan True joining us. Always fun to do a, an off-schedule episode. In that sense, appreciate Brett Bielema giving us this to talk about. So we'll be back on Friday with our week eight preview conversation. We're going to figure out if Oregon is still having any fun. And I'll give you my three picks of the week. Did you know we were 3-0 and last week against the spread? We're crushing it this week. I'm going to start selling them, but this is going to be a Patreon podcast soon. So anyway, have a great one. Oh, and thanks, Lance Glenn, our producer, for putting this episode together and stitching in that Bilama audio. Talk to you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.